This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the program. This is Parrot Talk on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio, the way it should be. Today is Tuesday. It's November 28th, and I am back in the Restoring the Faith Media studio. I'm in the studio today, and I am happy to be back with you, broadcasting from the heart of America, always on air, always online. I am your host, Mike Parrott. Send me an email, Mike Parrott. Actually, that's not my email. <laughs> RestoringTheFaithMedia at gmail.com. Some of us have not been sipping our coffee the way we need to be, uh, and it shows. Hey, I just went on a little road trip for Thanksgiving, and I went all the way to South Texas, and it was quite the journey, and um, it was extremely uh, enjoyable to be with family. I hope that last week, I didn't, I'm not sure if I wished you a happy Thanksgiving, I, I suppose I probably did on Wednesday. And then I had no mention of the long weekend in yesterday's show because I was so caught up in the happenings over the weekend in Dublin uh, that are continuing on. But uh, so I very likely have neglected to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And also to mention, of course, that the first Thanksgiving in the United States is a Catholic one. And the best way that we can give Thanksgiving to God, that is, is to um, is to have mass, is to offer him himself, sacrifice of himself. Uh, and so I appreciate uh, everybody uh, who listens to the program, and I'm glad that you're back with us this morning. I've been thinking about a couple things that I've been wanting to talk to you about. I know, I know you want me to get into the Voris thing, and Quite possibly, I will tomorrow or later this week. But uh, for right now, I think it's worthy of our discussion to spend a couple minutes together talking about uh, virtues. Because what I have noticed uh, in in this whole um, debacle... Uh, for these last couple years that not only I personally have been going through, but others as well, is that what gets lost in the discussion is a realistic understanding of um, virtue. And I know that the King Do talks about virtue all the time, and many of his guests do as well, including Brother Andre Marie, but what I would like to discuss is a, a way of thinking about and categorizing the various virtues uh, uh, and grouping them into more or less two broad groups. And then uh, beyond that, some subgroupings. So many of you are aware that there are... And by the way, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because... People don't understand, they misuse and really abuse these words. These words, like charity and um, justice, they get abused. 
And I'm tired of it. I, I can't tell you how many times I have been told, uh, what you're doing isn't charitable. Okay, well, let's just define the terms. Can you define the terms, please? Um, no, not really. Charity is just uh, reduced to, I don't know, kindness. I want to have this discussion again with Father Martin Navarro the next time he's available because I want him to weigh in as well. Um, because aesthetical theology is really is is something that uh, a a priest should weigh in on. It's it's not really something that uh, uh, you know yours truly should be wading into. But I can go as far, I can go to a depth that will at least help us prime ourselves for a future discussion with Father Martin Navarro. Does that sound fair? So there are obviously there are the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And many people when they pray their family rosary in the uh, first three Hail Marys or the first three Ave Marias, they pray those for increases in faith, hope, and charity the three theological virtues. And they're theological virtues because they have to do with God. Faith, hope, and charity. Now, the one which gets abused the most, of course, is charity. Charity has to do with God. It's a theological virtue. It does not have to do with man. It does not have to do with how uh, we feel about each other or being polite or being nice or and it's not meekness. Meekness is a virtue. So is justice. So is courage. So is fortitude. So um, charity has to do with God. And what does charity actually define? The simplest definition of it is to will the good of the beloved. To will the good. And how do you will the good of the beloved? You, the, the ultimate good of everybody, the ultimate good of man, the ultimate good of your neighbor is God. The beatific vision. Salvation. Eternity with God in heaven. So to will the good of, of uh, the beloved is to simply will that that person is saved to will that that person has sanctifying grace, has the opportunity to be saved and to be with God and to love God. That's the definition of charity. But there are these other virtues as well, and these are called the cardinal virtues. And these govern our behavior in as much as they also govern um, our how we act, how we how we uh, contain our passions, how we organize our mind, how we um, how we use our will, the decisions that we make, and there are four of them. Now, most Catholics have heard of these virtues, and these are the cardinal virtues, um, but many have not. And, but most Catholics, even if they have heard of the cardinal virtues, have not organized the cardinal virtues in a logical way uh, that you're about to hear now. 
And that's sad because maybe a generation or two ago, everybody knew all of these things. So, uh, and again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, I am doing this completely without notes and totally from memory, okay? I am sitting here in the studio with my scarf and gloves on. It is very cold inside the studio. I don't know why I can't get it to heat up in here. I've got my dog Finn Bar next to me. I've got a lukewarm cup of coffee. And I decided this morning that I wanted to disabuse all of you on the use of some of these terms. I mean, for example, we hear that, oh, well, I was just being prudent when someone is really just being a coward. At the end of this program today, you're going to know at least the difference between those two things. You're going to know at least what prudence actually is and the sub-virtues thereof, some of them anyway. I can't, from memory, alas, and this is a an imperfection, I can't recite all 64 virtues to you from the virtue tree. But I can recite many of them, and I can give you a way of thinking about them so that when you hear of a new virtue that you haven't heard before, like here's one, it's called nome, the virtue of nome, G-N-O-M-E. Now, what is nome? Well, nome is knowing what to do or how to act in the absence of law. It's a virtue. It's a sub-virtue of prudence. What is eutropalia? Well, I'm glad you asked, because eutropalia is rightly ordered recreation. We need to recreate. We need to recreate. Recreation is essential to human activity. Some people are very puritanical about having hobbies. Men should have hobbies. This is my hobby. I love talking to you. I love breaking down the news and giving giving some analysis. Occasionally, it's thoughtful analysis as well. And that's why you keep coming back. But uh, eutropalia is rightly ordered activity. It's not playing video games, vegging out, like, uh, you know, checking out, uh, self-medicating. No, it's not those things. Uh, It is rightly ordered activities, i.e. a productive hobby. Incidentally, since we're talking about men, and I'm going to get into the cardinal virtues here, I just want you to know that this segment is brought to you by the Have Yourself a Merry and Manly Little Christmas Contest. It's exclusively here, live on air on the Crusade Channel, till December 22nd. For details on how to play and win a $50 shopping spree in the Founders Trading Post store, and to be qualified to win one of the six grand prize gifts, go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Um, okay, so I am, uh, let's get into the Cardinal Virtues today, because this is one of those foundational shows where we really just have to know these things, because I refer to them so often, and some of this is review for many of you, but again, I, uh, I, I, I restate 
that you really need to read the spiritual masters because I am not the expert on aesthetical theology here. Nevertheless, I think it's important that we can at least get the basic blocking and tackling out of the way. All right? Disclaimer. Restated. Pajama Fort. If you can remember Pajama Fort, you're already a step ahead of many Catholics. Because many Catholics cannot name the four cardinal virtues. Pajama Fort, Prudence, Justice, Fortitude, and Temperance. Now, that is one order of, uh, of uh, understanding the virtues. But I'm going to break them down just a little bit because it is important that we understand certain things. Now, what is a human being? A human being is body and soul, right? We have a body and a soul, and our soul is our intellect and our will. Our intellect and our will. What is the definition of death? The definition of death is the separation of the soul and the body. Our soul is pure spirit. It has two components, the intellect and the will. Incidentally, our body has two types of temptations. Those temptations which are immediately right in front of us, such as the need for food, gluttony, the need to procreate, lust, and then those needs which are remote goods, the need to get ahead, to get vengeance, wrath, uh, to overcome an obstacle, courage, to get a better job, to uh, get a promotion at work, to become rich and famous. Those things that are not immediately right in front of us, that are not cardinal. Okay? Or uh, concupiscence. Those things that are not concupiscence, right? Those things that are not cardinal, that are right in front of us. So you divide the, the body into two separate sets of temptations, or two separate sets of things going on, and then you divide the soul into two things, intellect and will. And therefore, you get four aspects of the human person that we're talking about, and there are four virtues that we're talking about. So would you be surprised that the Catholic Church figured this out a long, long time ago? Would you be surprised that there is a cardinal virtue with a whole army of sub-virtues that applies to each one of these components of the human person. Well, that's exactly how it works. So there are our lower appetites, our lower appetites, such as our concupiscible appetites, those things that, that are right in front of us, and those things are governed by temperance. Our irascible appetites, and again, I'm telling this, all I, all of this I'm telling you from memory. Incidentally, memory is a virtue. It's not just a cogitative power. It's not just a, a power of the intellect. It's not a function of, uh, of uh, the brain. It is also a cultivated virtue. 
This is why I think uh, it is so important that we still memorize things and we learn how to do things and we commit things to memory. We must memorize the multiplication tables. We must do that. Uh, we Google everything. We should learn how to remember things. You know, the uh, Native Americans, when they first heard the Gospels, they memorized them because they were so good at oral history. They had they passed down their history via oral history. It takes an incredible cultivation of memory to do that. And it's a virtue. It's a sub-virtue of prudence, actually, because prudence governs the intellect. But you already figured that out. That's where we're going. We're still in the lower appetites, though. Fortitude is what governs those things that are remote goods to us. Fortitude is what helps us overcome longer-term obstacles, more remote obstacles, things that are not right in front of us. So the things that are right in front of us, the needs for carnal pleasure, to eat, and to procreate. Okay? Those are, those are basic bestial needs that we have uh, for our bodies. And that is governed by temperance. How do, we, how do we grow in temperance? Well, we grow in temperance primarily by self-denial. And one of those ways that we grow in temperance is by fasting. Fasting. You know, Christians used to fast, and we got a lot of fast days on the calendar, on the liturgical calendar. We have opportunities to fast every single quarter in, uh, uh, as, as each one of the seasons comes and goes. We have fast, stated fasting days uh, per canon law. And we used to have a bunch more fasts. Now it's just limited to like one or two fasting days a year in the 1983 code. But denying our wants and our comforts, denying ourselves comfort, is one of the best ways to grow in temperance. Another way to grow in temperance is to count, to count things. I am going to restrict myself to one thing per week. I will have one scotch whiskey per week uh, during Advent. Uh, why? Why? Because, well, I like to have one every day, but I don't need one every day. And what I do need to do is do some, give up something that I do like. Temperance governs the concupiscible appetites. Temperance gives us thing, uh, uh, certain virtues like sobriety. Incidentally, the man who has failed to conquer his lower appetites can usually not cultivate any of the higher virtues. This is why it is so important that we do the fasting and the almsgiving. Almsgiving helps us when in, in, in fortitude land. Fortitude is what governs our irascible appetites. Have you met a man who is irascible? I have. Somebody who shakes constantly, who is easy to anger. Somebody or somebody who is racked with anxiety. Someone whose emotions control them. Someone who is 
uh, very emotionally immature. We all know these guys. We all know these guys that are really just weak cowards. And weak cowards express themselves in different ways. Sometimes you have a weak coward who simulates machismo. And so he's quick to anger, fly off the handle, impatient. That's a vice, impatience. Other times you have these guys that just melt down at the first uh, obstacle, at the, at the first uh, sign of friction. These guys have not cultivated fortitude in any way. How do we get fortitude? How do we grow in fortitude? First, we have to be uncomfortable. Again, to conquer our lower passions, our lower appetites, we've got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Here's the problem with that. In the United States of America, we live in the most comfortable society ever created by man. We are not used to being uncomfortable. Discomfort uh, is, is something that we actually despise in these United States. We're not, we're not good at suffering. I know I'm not good at suffering. We're not used to it. We're not used to suffering. And so it's foreign to us. And many of us, in, in many ways, and myself included, we have, we have developed a horror of suffering. A horror of suffering. We used to understand that suffering was a gift from God. It was a kiss. It was God pruning our souls. We used to, in Christendom, as Catholics, understand that suffering and suffering well, suffering well was a virtue. I can't tell you that uh, I, I, I wish that I had suffered better in uh in the church militant saga i certainly suffered a lot and i think i did some things well but i i could have suffered better when you look back at the uh, the hard things that you've been through and you and don't you wish that you had done it just a little bit differently don't you wish that you had done it better that's the virtue of fortitude Fortitude has all these w wonderful sub-virtues like patience and courage and equanimity. Equanimity is, is an extremely important virtue. How many guys are quick to lose their equanimity? They either sink into um, anxiety and fear They start losing hope, losing faith. They become Debbie Downers. They start, they're brooding. They're ruminating. On the other hand, how many guys just are quick to fly off a handle, constantly looking for a fight, trying to prove how macho they are? They're really just 
toddlers who have never learned how to suffer. And they're trying to mask that by simulating some version of masculinity that they saw on TV. You're not Sylvester Stallone, sir. I'm sorry. True masculinity, and, I, and I'm not just talking to the guys here, because um, I know that the ladies are out there too. Ladies need fortitude. Everybody needs fortitude. Everybody needs temperance and everybody needs fortitude. But what I have noticed in my casual observation of being on planet Earth uh, for nearly 40 years is that women tend to be better at temperance. And fortitude. They just tend to be better at the lower appetites. Women are generally more pious. They really are. Um, and so they they tend to. Virtuous women are just incredible people. Because virtuous women just delight in holy things. They delight in prayer. They delight in order. They delight in routine. They delight in their home life. They delight in instruction of the children. They delight in family prayer time. They delight in knowing holy things and reverencing holy things. Virtuous women are incredible. I am blessed to have a virtuous wife. Um, and I think many of you are as well. And some of you maybe are not. And that's okay. She can grow in virtue just like you can. But most guys are have a harder time coming out of these lower passions. We can't even talk about the the uh, the the uh, the cogitative powers, the intellect, the will, because we are stuck in our lower appetites half the time. So fortitude and temperance are the basic building blocks that uh, are more or less focused on our bodies, okay? Our bodies, our physical nature. And if it's, look, like it's, for, here, I'll give you a quick example here and then we'll go to break. It is hard uh, for me to concentrate on a difficult subject that I'm trying to learn if I am hungry or tired or cold or whatever, right? If there is some physical thing that's happening to you, it is an impediment to the higher activities of the soul, namely the intellect and the will. And this is just a truism of uh, how humans are made. This is part of our body-soul component. But we can do a lot of work to minimize those distractions when we are not controlled by our hunger or our exhaustion or our whatever it is, right? If we have learned to not only deny ourselves sleep, but sleep sufficiently, go to bed with regularity. This is temperance, going to bed at the same time every night, waking up at the same time every day. This is temperance. Having a rule of life, this is temperance. Um, if we're if we're less distracted by these lower appetites, we will begin to cultivate the higher virtues, 
I want to get into the higher virtues on the backside of the break here. This is Parrot Talk on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online, always happy to be with you on this Tuesday morning. After the break, we will be right back, and we're going to keep talking about the cardinal virtues because we've got to do that today. Welcome back to the show here. Mike Parrott with you, broadcasting from the heart of America in the RTF studio. This is Paratalk on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. We are always on air, always online, and I am always happy to be with you, especially on this Tuesday morning, November 28th, 2023. The liturgical year is almost over, and we are talking about the cardinal virtues this morning, the cardinal virtues. No, I'm not talking about cardinals of the Catholic Church. I'm not talking about the red hats. I'm not talking about cardinal directions like north, south, east, and west. I am talking about the four cardinal virtues that govern the soul. How we operate, what we do, how we make decisions, our nature, our character, the fiber of our being, our integrity. Um, all right, we are... We've, we, we did some review. If you're just joining us, we're doing a quick review on the virtue tree. And it turns out that there are four areas of being human that each requires a cardinal virtue. And each one of those virtues has a bunch of sub-virtues associated with it. And I think a lot of times, if you ask people, hey, name the virtues... Folks don't really have an organized way to think about the virtues. So when you hear of a new virtue, like I introduced a couple new ones in the last segment, it's hard to remember them because there's no real organized way to, to file them away somewhere, to think about them, to categorize them. So what I'm offering you today is at least just a way of categorizing virtues so that in the future, as we talk about other virtues, sub-virtues, we, we, we know where to, where to stash those things, what they apply to, which activities of the body or the soul they directly uh, interact with. So we have already covered the fact that there is the concupiscible and the irascible appetite. These are our lower appetites. And these appetites, these beastly things, can be governed by temperance and fortitude. And the man who is both temperate, the temperate man, and the man who displays fortitude is the, is the type of man who can then continue to excel in the virtue trees, specifically in those virtues that are more oriented towards the activities of the soul than the activities of the body. So if we can get past these lower appetites, if we can master the activities of the body and start thinking more about the activities of the soul, then we can get into the higher virtues. So uh, I told you that the soul is made up of the intellect and the will. 
And so we need a virtue for the intellect and we need a virtue for the will. And the cardinal virtue for the intellect is prudence. The cardinal virtue for the will is justice. So I've already told you that there is temperance and fortitude on the bottom part of this four-part, let's say, uh, quadrant. And then in the top part of our four-part quadrant, for the intellect and the will, we have prudence and justice, respectively. The intellect. What is the intellect? The intellect, we're not talking about necessarily our IQ. We're not talking about how smart we are. We're talking about how we process information, how we keep things going, how we reflect on things, how we remember things. The, yes, the intellect needs to be governed by a virtue because there are all kinds of vices associated with the intellect, like intellectual pride or curiosity. Curiosity is a vice. Curiosity is the desire to know things beyond our station in life or, or, uh, the, or the desire to learn truths or facts which are irrelevant to us or that we are not supposed to know. I, th I would contend that we live in a very curious culture. Not necessarily intellectually curious. I wouldn't tell you that we have uh, an intellectual curiosity within our culture. I would say that we have almost a carnal curiosity. Um, and many people are, are infected with something called spiritual pride. Which is the idea that I want to know things, for the, not for the sake of knowing the truth, not for the sake of God, but for the sake of flaunting my knowledge. For the sake of being interesting at cocktail parties. For the sake of lording my, my knowledge over my friends. I think that that is pretty uh, common in today's in today's age. <sighs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we're talking about the intellect and prudence, this is a word that gets abused. This is a word that gets abused, I think, more than any of the cardinal virtues but not as much as the theological virtue of charity. That one gets abused the most. I would say the second most abused uh, word of the seven virtues that we're talking about today, the three theological virtues and the four cardinal virtues, is prudence. Every single Novus Ordo Bishop, every single Type B personality, every single person... who is governed by emotions and fear who makes decisions out of those off of those two things will label what they're doing as a cop out as being quote unquote prudent prudence is not weakness prudence is not necessarily meekness prudence 
is um, is actually one of the most important virtues of, of all the seven. Because prudence has a special relationship to the other cardinal virtues. We can't think about these things as discrete, unconnected things. To the extent that we believe that these things are discrete and unconnected. Like, today I'm going to work on temperance. Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm not going to eat or drink anything for the next seven days. Alright, that's one way of doing that. But is that prudent? You see, prudence wields a power over and governs even some of the other virtues. This is how important prudence is. This is why it's important that we get it right. It would be imprudent for most people to not eat for seven days. That would not be prudent. You may, you may harm your body irreparably, and you don't have the right to do that. Um, a pious woman may say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Mass every single day at 6 a.m., seven days a week. I'm going to leave the children at home to raise themselves, uh, fend for themselves, but I will be in, uh, in ecstasy at Mass. Well, okay, but that would be imprudent because your state in life requires that you maintain the household, educate the children, take care of them, right? So prudence is the distinguisher between doing something that is a perceived good, but doing it to an excess. Prudence is something that helps us in our, in our intellect decide things. So some of the sub-virtues of prudence that make sense then would be memory, taking counsel, Introspe or, uh, uh, how about circumspection? Circumspection is a good one. Being aware of your surroundings. People who are circumspect are not going to uh, tell an off-color joke in front of a lady or in, or in public or in front of children, right? They're, they're, they're circumspect. You ever go to a restaurant with small children and you're si sitting next to a table and you got people that know that you're there or should know that you're there and they're just dropping all kinds of F-bombs, you know, very loudly and laughing and cackling like hyenas. That is a lack of circumspection. Okay, that's 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 immodesty. Um, as we continue forward, we have to get to the, uh, the, the superlative of the four. Um, so finally, we, what we ha when we, we have to act. We have to make decisions. We have to do things, right? We can't just sit here and live in our own heads and, and think about all of these virtues. We actually have to live them out. We have to make decisions about things. We have to conduct actions. We have to conduct activity. The will is what decides what we're going to do. The will decides. It makes the decision. Sin is primarily in the will. So we either have a strong will or a weak will. We also, likewise, either have a will that is properly governed by a moral compass or a will that is deformed 
So the will is pretty darn important. What is justice? Justice is giving each his due. Well, what is giving God his due? Giving God his due is called the virtue of religion. And religion is a sub-virtue of justice. How we meter out justice, giving someone his due, treating people fairly. Modesty is a sub-virtue of justice. Comporting ourselves in a way that doesn't give scandal to people. Representing the faith well. Uh, many of the Catholic monarchs in, uh, in Christendom were said to have uh, acted justly. Uh, justice is something that is so beautiful when it uh, is when it exists. But let's uh, do a quick thought experiment here. I know we're running over time, and you can hear my dog whimpering in the background. He wants to go outside. He doesn't know that it's frigid. It's frigid. Well, he does know this because we walked over to the office. The RTF studio is a detached single car garage which has been converted into an office and so the rtf studio often gets very cold in the winter time and it can be treacherous going from house to studio today there's a bunch of ice on the ground and so mr finbar here he does know that uh it's cold outside but i think he's got to go out anyway um It is hard to be fair and to be just when we are wrathful or angry or fearful or anxious or tired or hungry or if our intellect is malformed, if we just don't know things, if we don't know facts, if we don't have memory of things, if we're not circumspect, if we don't take counsel, if we don't reflect on things uh if we don't have foresight about things foresight is a, a sub virtue of prudence it's hard to act justly it's hard to render true justice to give each his due for example uh let's say the you're impatient i am frequently impatient that's what happens when you're choleric <laughs> that's one of the one of the achilles heels of being a choleric is that you are you find yourself to be impatient much of the time um if you if when i'm in a moment of impatience it is impossible for me to act justly it really is because i have a distorted view of reality my impatience has colored how I see uh, the situation, and it has discolored uh, the truth of what's going on. And therefore, in, 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 a, in a fit of impatience, in a precipitated emotional state, you can't, uh, you can't exercise justice. You just can't. So this is why it's important again to that we that we get these definitions right uh, here on uh, Parrot Talk, and I'm so glad that uh, here on the Crusade Channel we have the freedom to talk about whatever we want to talk about, and I hope that maybe just giving you the four categories of virtues will whet your appetite just enough 
to maybe look into it more, print off a virtue tree. Uh, these things exist. They're they're lovely, um, especially the uh, the very old ones that are in Latin from I don't know 700 years ago. Um, Saint Thomas Aquinas is extremely good on the on the uh, cardinal virtues and the sub virtues. There are books, entire books about these things. In fact, there are entire books just about prudence and how prudence interacts with the other virtues. And if I had more prudence, if I had a better memory, which is a sub-virtue of prudence, I would have been able to give you, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 sub-virtues just off the top of my head. But at least hopefully what I have given you is the timeless teaching of the Catholic faith with respect to how we are to organize virtues and what some of those virtues are and, and as importantly, what they are not. Most of these things are not just politeness or kindness or being nice or being uh, amenable or amiable. That's what most people reduce charity and prudence to. They, 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 reduce, they reduce prudence to, well, a cost-benefit analysis, a risk-based assessment, uh, a, I, I did the best I could with the information I had, and I really don't want to suffer, and I'm a little bit coward, cowardly. That's what they reduce prudence to, and then charity is just reduced to, well, don't be mean to people. People will say, your comments about uh, Nazi Niles are uncharitable. And I'll say, really? Um, can you define charity? How uh, I am, I am willing her good. I am actively willing her good by calling her out on her manifest public sins. I am willing her good in exhorting her, exhorting the sinner, which is a spiritual work of mercy, to return to the Catholic faith, to renounce sin, to renounce. Uh, her, her, her slanderous, lying, perjuring, extorting lifestyle, and to come back to the Catholic Church. As you say, oh, well, you call Gary the fairy uh, names, and you, you shouldn't call him the F word. That's the most accurate word that describes his behavior. He needs to be called these names. He needs to be called these words. As part of the exhortation to return, knock it off. Some people need tough love. Some people need to be exhorted to quit turning away from God, put down your sodomitical lifestyle, Gary Michael Voris. Stop obsessing over other men's rectums and come back to the Catholic faith. It is charitable. What so what, what the the uh, the feminine version of charity is different from the masculine version of charity. Even you know, a, a lot of times it's women who are saying, "Well, you got to be nice, and can't you be polite, and don't be don't don't call them names, and just pray for them." Yeah, that's fine. You can pray for them, and you should, and that is charity. That is, that that also is charity, but that doesn't also mean that exhorting the sinner to abandon sin isn't charity, because it is. It certainly is. Um, and I think it's a both-and approach, not an either-or approach. This is why 
the sexes are so complementary to each other. This is why men and women um, are great together. Um, and maybe someday 63-year-old sodomite Gary Michael Voris will figure that out. But until then, it is an act of charity, my friend, to call him a faggot. He needs to give up faggotry. Um, all right, that's the show. Uh, this is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online, and always happy to be with you. Have a lovely Tuesday. I think tomorrow we will get back into national politics and some uh, some global events. Uh, but again, today I just wanted you to have the benefit of the categorizing of the cardinal virtues. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Take care. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com.